in this episode, learn who's been controlling the Alaskan pipeline for over 20 years and connecting assets to the cloud. It can be done. And can you embed Python into your controller? These folks can. gas has always challenged technology. Now it's time for tech to challenge back. Come hear how the best minds in the industry are making those solutions a reality on the Oil & Gas Technology Podcast with your host, Mark LaCour. Hey folks, before we get to our guests, really, really quick, if you want to support the show, the number one thing you can do is leave a review. It helps your peers find the show and it helps us get better at what we're doing. So for this show and all our other seven oil and gas podcasts, please take a minute and leave a review. Also, have you heard of Nutanix yet? Nutanix is a sponsor of the show. If you need help modernizing your data center and running applications at any scale, on-prem, in the cloud, whatever, these are the folks you want to talk to. And I'm sitting here at Grimp Campus with Technique FMC. I have... Amarpreet Seti, I get that right that time? Yeah, you can call, go by name Aman if that's Aman. easy. Yeah. yeah. And I have Troy and Victor sitting here with me today. How y'all doing? Great, great. Doing great. Yeah, it's not 107 degrees outside. Thanks so it's actually no. yeah. pretty it's day Happy the winter's here. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, we actually get to wear clothes with uh, <laughs> not sweat through business clothes. It's awesome. So we're sitting here and we're talking about actual production technologies. A lot of people know Technique FMC from your subsea components, but what a lot of people don't know is y'all just rock and roll on land as well. And so when you talk about production technologies, one of the cool things is we're bringing new science into that, such as big data analytics, twins, that sort of stuff. And y'all all three play in that space, which is just has to be really cool. Can we talk a little bit about your current portfolio of, of technology and how it helps operators produce on land? Absolutely. Yeah, you know, I think one of the most prominent requirements on any production facility is, is the measurement. And that's that's really my background. So spent a lot of time, you know, utilizing the latest technology such as Coriolis technology on off of separators and being able to utilize that and really get the diagnostics that's coming off that to help operators better improve their production in a, in a sense that they can take that that data and make it actionable to help them understand what's going on. But also provide them, you know, more information than they've ever had before when yeah. it comes to production optimization. It just helps them make good, better business decisions, faster decisions. Absolutely. And the cool thing is, when I think of Technique FMC and I think of your legacy, y'all aren't new to onshore. Y'all not doing. Y'all been doing this for eighty years, right? But the cool thing is, the new technology is driving efficiencies in the field, which is what we need. And and I think y'all are leading the charge out there. We want kind of want to tell that story a little bit. You want to talk a little bit about how you're using big data analytics to help these operators? Sure. So as you know, we have we are always into the equipments, right? We are providing the services, we are manufacturing, and we are providing the rental equipments to our customer. So the data that is there in the field, if we see from the from the assets where all the sensors are, right? How we get the data from there, and then how we can help our customer by using the data, bring the wisdom out of the data, and provide the information that can help their business to have more efficiency, have more revenue how we can reduce their non-production time. So those all are were the ideas behind thinking about how we can gather the data from the sensors. And that's where this integrated approach came into the picture, where we get the data from the sensors and then enable it by connecting that to the cloud using all the data stack technologies that we have and by designing the Surface Digital platform that can enable 
to bring the remote operations for our customer and then also helping us to get the information from the from the assets itself to help them uh, to help even us to design our assets better. Yeah, and you said something which is really cool. You said remote operations. So gone are the days where you send Fred in a truck to go out to the well site, right, and read the gauges and write them down on a piece of paper. So you're actually pulling that data, maybe not in real time, but probably close to real time, depending on the connectivity. Definitely, definitely. I will say we are reading in near real time where we have a one-minute delay in seeing the data, what is happening in the field and in the cloud. So it's it's near real time. So if it's happening in the field, we can real time see it and we can trend it and we can even provide the suggestions to our customer how to operate better. So you can actually start looking at doing predictive type of stuff now, right? Exactly. exactly. Which, is, which was unheard of. Now, let me ask you this. I do know this much. One of the problems today in the oil field is data is everywhere. There's too much of it. How do you figure out what's that 1% of the data that's important and not worry about the rest of it, which doesn't help you make good decisions? Exactly. So I will say this is happening because of our expertise in the engineering. As we know our equipment better, right? We know what what are the challenges or what are how the process simulation works on that asset. So that is helping us to understand which data is more important over the other. What should be the frequency of pulling that data? So I will say, as we are not just a data company, we are the even the manufacturer for our equipments that helps us to take the benefit of the engineering SMEs and understand from them how we can have our equipment better, what are the pain points that they have faced while designing this equipment or you know, our technical experts had heard from the operators in the field. And from there, we leverage that knowledge and then build our predictive maintenance type of model or the predictive suggestion type of models on top of it. Yeah, anybody that's listened to this show or Oil & Gas This Week knows I talk about a legacy FMC for years. The manufacturing stuff that y'all do is almost, it looks impossible, right? But y'all do it every day like it's no big deal. But you watch a tree get put together, and it's just amazing that humans can actually do that. And it's really cool y'all have taken that same engineering and manufacturing expertise. And, and I would rank y'all number one in the world as far as expertise, as far as a subsea world. And you've brought it to onshore. So now you're using your knowledge and your engineers and your experience to help the operators on land. So, Victor, what's your part in all of this? How does that fit together from a product point of view? Yeah, so from a product point of view, I don't really come from a digital background. My background is mostly separation, processing. So I kind of overlook the upstream production technical portfolio for Technip FMC. So that includes separation equipment, multi-phase flow meters, modular production facilities that we're putting out in the shill. And the, uh, the digital aspect on that is an important component, especially as, as you get into more remote areas and you need to be you know, remotely monitoring or, or operating your equipment. And it's, it's, you know, I also come from the, the offshore side of the business and, and part of it refining. So actually in coming into this space, it's interesting to see that the onshore shield business is kind of lagging behind on, on that technology yeah, aspect with, uh, with other areas. because. Some of the things we're doing with our our digital twin and our production facility, people have been doing in refineries for about 10, 20 years already. So yeah, it's it's interesting to see that space has not really been fully developed. And I think we're we're fully focused on that. Yeah, before we turn to the micro, we're talking about the separation technologies and how it started offshore, but y'all were able to bring it and make it probably more mobile and actually bring it on land as well. So you have all that years of years, 100 years of expertise of separation offshore. You bring that same process and technology on land as well. Now, you said something else which caught my attention, multi-flow meters, right? Multi-flow phase meters. Let's talk about that a little bit because that's a hot item. Yes, absolutely. I mean, customers have been looking at this technology for many, many years. And 
And, you know, the interesting thing is how they're trying to adopt that technology today may not be the way that they adopt the technology five years from now or how they use the technology five years from now. So multi-phase, we've been a leader in that technology, subsea and topside for many, many years with our MPM meters. And we're actually, you know, bringing that, repackaging that, bringing it to the surface, lower pressure ratings, et cetera, but helping the customers understand, you know, how they can utilize that technology. And I think, you know, we talk when we talk about the whole data picture here, it's, it's important to, to realize that a lot of these customers, like you said, they have the data, but they don't know what to do with yep. it. And, you know, making that data actionable is part of our goal. But helping educate customers on what that individual data, piece of data means. You know, we're doing some tests that actually on the surface with our multi-phase meter as we speak. And just some of the data that they're getting off their separators or production separators using some, some good technology, Coriolis technology, we're, we're finding, you know, they're not taking even taking advantage of that data that's, that's there. And so, you know, educating the, the customer base on how that, what that data means to them and how it can improve what they're doing on a daily basis. Because as you said, people were used to driving back and forth to the field. They're still to get doing that And they're still yeah. doing that today. But you know what? It takes six hours to get out, out there. And some of these places are so remote. When you go to the field, you want to know what you're going there for. And, you know, we can tell them that. But the data, you know, just like the digital twins, if the data's not coming in the digital twin, digital twin can't interpret and, and teach and learn. And so it's, it's critical that we have that data stream. Yeah. So you mentioned digital twin. In case the audience doesn't know what a digital twin is, can you explain it? Yeah, so basically digital twin is a digital replica of the physical assets or any device. So that's what digital twin is all about, how we can replicate that into the cloud and can tell what's happening with that asset in the real time in the field. And that's where, as you know, Troy mentioned that the data that is flowing in is very important, right? If we are not picking up the right sensor data, if we are not getting all the data that we need, to tell that how's the health of an asset, then we will not be able to do it. So at this, at having a controls and automation that is also in-house, that's UCOS is helping us to get the data from the field to the cloud seamlessly. Yeah, and that digital twin, the cool thing about that is you can experiment on it instead of experimenting on a real well that's in production. And there's a big difference in being able to do that. Exactly. Well, and I, you know, I think something that Aman mentioned is, is, and a lot of people don't know, I mean, we own our own control system. And so, you know, owning your own control system, it's, it's an open architecture platform is huge in this industry because we can, you know, we know the equipment, we know how to automate it to get the information out of it, but then being able to offer a, an open platform to the industry that they've been looking for for years and years and years is just another piece that we don't talk about. As exactly. Yeah, much, well, but we need to. <laughs> so the elephant that nobody wants to talk about is there's a lot of companies in oil and gas that historically have proprietary control systems. Exactly. They get their hooks into you, and then you have no choice. You can't forklift it, right? And so the fact that y'all were willing to go out on a limb and make it open source. So if operator number one wants to do this with it, they can. If operator wants to, number two wants to do this with it, they can. That's really hats off y'all for doing that because that's that's not the old business model as far as controls in this industry. No. No, it's not. And, you know, we, we've had customers come to us and said, you know, open, what does that really mean by open? You know, because they've heard that before and it only takes you to a certain point, but Hey, can, can I, can I embed Python onto your controller? Yeah, you can do that. 
and you know we'll, we'll work with you closely on how to do that and but no it, it's really gonna change our game as far as you know what we're doing i mean People don't know that we've controlled the Alaska pipeline for the last 20 years. Yep. People don't know that we were the SCADA operator for many of our you know, premier assets here in, 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 this, in this country, at least, and, and what we're doing from a subsea standpoint. And so it's really, really cool with what we are doing with that technology, and you'll be, you'll be seeing more of that. Yeah, the Definitely. first time I ever heard of digital oil field, I swear it was in the 90s, and it was y'all with Shell in the North Sea. Right? And I go, there's no way they can actually do that. Y'all did it. right? And that was before anybody had ever even thought about any of that sort of stuff. This is really cool. Now, so you talked about open source. That's a different type of business model. The other thing is, you know, the industry as a whole needs to move toward more standardization. Are y'all looking at that too? Are y'all actually looking at making things standardized or more modular type of stuff? Definitely. And that's what we are doing here. And that's what we found, like, you know, even with our operators or other customers, what they are looking for, they are looking for what we can provide them as a package when we're delivering an asset. Is it just a web application that they have to log in? Or is it a way we can, they can easily get that asset level events or the less asset level suggestions that can be integrated with their platform that they are leveraging for the digital twin. So that's what we are working on to go towards the standardization to have it very seamless for our customer to not just have the web applications or the mobile apps through which they have to enable the digital twin, but they can also directly get those REST APIs that they can integrate with their platform to get the digital suggestions, remote operations, anything that we're working on the digital oil for from our assets to their application seamless using those REST APIs. Yeah, what's cool about that, if you have the APIs written, that means if you have a big ERP system that you can't forklift, right, you can now push your data into the ERP system or pull that data out of the ERP. And so you can still run modern state-of-the-art systems like y'all are doing, but still have your legacy system and they still talk to each other. Exactly. And that helps our customer, right? Because they will be getting the notifications whenever they have to do the maintenance on their assets. They can plan their force to go into the field and do the maintenance over there. We could go down that route, but Troy, you had something I started to say. The cool thing about this is the fact that we can enable this at a much lower price point than our competition, you know, because we own that control system and because we can simply take a controller and drop that into a customer's existing platform, you know, we're not asking you to replace anything. You know, we're just, we're able to, we're able to enable that just by dropping our controller into that scenario. So whatever your flavor of choice is when it comes to control, fine. That's where our control system has, has built its, its, portfolio around for many, many years is legacy applications going in and adapting to that existing IO that's out there and providing them the, you know, well, now the the technology that we're offering today. That's so cool. So if if you have uh, legacy parts and pieces, valves, chokes, sensors, whatever, y'all don't care? We don't care, you know, keep it in there because that's, that's where customers get sort of nervous about you know, you go in and talk about automation platforms and, oh man, you're going to ask us to rip all of our stuff out and everything else is going to be totally expensive. We can't afford to do this. Well, wait a minute. You keep what you, whatever that PLC is out there, you keep that. We're just talking about being able to drop our, and with ethernet today, you can make things happen so much faster than you could years ago. Yeah. So no, it's, it's a cool platform. Yeah. 
you brought up three things which are huge. So you brought up one thing which is the holy grail in our industry, which is predictive maintenance, right? The airline industry's been doing it since the 70s. Why we haven't got there, I actually I do know why, but we're starting to get there. So y'all are going down the predictive maintenance route as well. You can actually help companies, help operators forecast when they may have maintenance or downtime? Yes, that is correct. And that's what if you see currently, as you mentioned, like, you know, we are we are very late in doing it, right? We are doing the maintenance on the frequency based. And a lot of cost is going even if, you know, the asset is not used, but we are like, oh, you know, there's a need to do the maintenance, right? So that's where predictive maintenance is the route where we are going, where we can take the sensors data, have our models, run on it, and tell us when there is a need to actually do the maintenance instead of doing a frequency-based maintenance. And that's where, like, you know, we can predict if there's a corrosion over there, if there's a valve failure happening, if we see the more paraffin build up, paraffin build up, and then there are a lot of other creative things that we're working, especially for our maps. We We are also working on even the virtual RVP. That's another feature that we are bringing in, where we are bringing the virtual meters and predict is the oil meeting the production or not? So that's not just in the maintenance field. It's also about telling if the oil that we are producing is meeting the spec or not. That almost sounds like magic, right? But if you're an operator, be able to tell if that oil, that crude is exactly what you want or not, that's enormous. The other thing that popped in my head while we're having this discussion about the predictive maintenance, you're also touching HS&E metrics, right? Because now you're not randomly rolling a truck at three in the morning. Some guy has to get up, drive down a lease road with a mud pump in the back of his thing. You know ahead of time so it can be scheduled so the guy's not woken up so they don't have to randomly roll trucks. So your technology is actually reducing or should be reducing lost time incidents. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, the the industry, unfortunately, we've had you know, one too many deaths in our industry when it comes to people get on top of tanks and, and, you know, strapping tanks or or taping tanks and everything else. And so, you know, we're able to digitally enable, you know, those measurements through our wireless technology and, you know, being able to give that information and tell an operator, Hey, thanks full, come check it out, come pick it up, whatever. And it's just, it's sort of mind blowing when you think about all the information and, but we have to package it right. And we have to package it right for that customer so that they're not overwhelmed by that data. And, you know, it's useful for them. Definitely. Yeah, and I, I just wanted to add to that because if you look at the, the oil field work out in, in Permian, it is so crowded on the roads there that the most of the health and safety incidents are actually related to yep. road traffic. So getting people off the roads is is a big thing, and that's what, what this all allows you to do. Well, not to make this any bigger than it actually is, but because we have a, a Permian Perspective podcast as well, and I know, I know Midland too well, unfortunately. I love you, Midland. No hate mail. But one of the <laughs> things is you're actually affecting the operator's relationship with the local community. So in Midland, a lot of people that are from there, they don't like the condition of the roads because there's so much traffic. Well, if you're pulling people off the roads, you're then affecting the relationship between the local community that the operators are operating in, which we all need better relationships, right? And that's, I mean, yeah. that is really awesome. Um, I got to kind of roll this back because you, you mentioned something else that was fascinating in the fact that you can do all this remotely. It goes into the cloud, then gets pulled back into whatever town or headquarters or, or whatever. 
But does this also mean it's easier in this, in this world that we're talking about? Is it easier for an operator to train their new engineers, right? Because now they don't have to get in a truck, go out to West Texas, go out to the field, go out to where they're completing a well or doing wireline or fishing. You can actually do it, a lot of it, virtually. Am I close? Exactly, exactly. And that's what I will say we are also looking into. And these are the proof of concepts that we are working on to see bringing the VR or AR into the training perspective where we can train the technicians from using this virtual reality type of, you know, the technologies. And that's what we are working on to bring it into the digital twin so that we can add the all the IIoT layers where we are talking about the people, processes, and technology. And that's where we're getting our people more trained. And again, we can manage our workforce as we can see what's happening in the field using the AR, VR. Yeah, and I was going to, you, you brought up the airlines analogy before, and it's the same here, right? I mean, flight simulators have been out forever. I can remember being a kid and, and you know, you would, you would, you could practice flying in a simulated environment. And I think the same, the same applies here. And so what's cool about this, though, if I'm a young engineer and I'm, say, say I'm a um, process control engineer and I want to see what happens if I want to simulate a failure, does my disaster recovery work? Do I want to simulate a cyber attack? You can actually do it digitally and not threaten the business where just a few years ago you would have actually had to have paid a company to hack your try to hack your system or whatever so you have all these scenarios you can play in a low or no risk environment that's right that's right yeah, definitely and that's where i will say we are working on a technology called hybrid technology or hybrid models where we are integrating the process models like hisas unisim with the machine learning models so we can have the process expertise, run a lot of simulations, and at the same time, train our machine learning models with that simulated data until we do not have the data from the field. Yeah. Well, the cool thing about y'all, though, is y'all have the data from the field. So what you're doing is is as close to reality as you possibly can versus just random models. Well, we have the data from the field, but we also have the engineering expertise that understands what that data means. That's right. And so, and the experience, know, the experience, the field experience, the hands-on experience to that, you know, we've been teaching customers about what this information means off this off measurement technology for years and years and years, whether they've adopted it or been able to adopt it is another thing, but that's what we're at least going to, it's going to be in our, our package. So, you know, when you get an, an alarm that, you know, tells you something's going on, you'll be able to know exactly what's going on with that meter. Like she said, whether we have paraffin build up in that meter, whether we have corrosion, erosion, you know, yeah. So that when you go to that field, you're on that site and you're off that site yes. and you're reducing your risk. So y'all, the three of y'all are sitting here, y'all are literally leading the charge between to fully automated production at some point. I mean, is that the end game to get where it's, it's totally automated? Totally automated. You drop a, you drop a facility on site. It's completely automated. And we're, you flip a switch and you're streaming data to the cloud. Is this a reality? I mean, literally, if, if I was an operator, I said, here's a well. Let me sh- prove it to me. I'll pay you for it, but prove it to me. Y'all could do it? Absolutely. Definitely, yes. We're doing it now. That is so cool. Here in the U.S. or globally? So currently we are doing into U.S. And that's going to be going into the Permian base. And commissioning of the assets are happening in end of this year. Oh, so it's literally like this close. Yeah, that's right. That's right. The cool thing is when y'all start doing it from a commercial point of view, you get the little other bits of data that's kind of hard to get. Things like culture, right? So you mentioned about process controls have been around forever, but we've been slow to adopt some of the newer technologies. Are y'all seeing some of the operators, I don't want to say fearful, but hesitant, right? Because this is new? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's certainly, it's a paradigm shift. It's a paradigm shift. And, and, you know, depending on what your role is in the operation, that may be 
fearful to you. you. You may not want to. We're all a little hesitant to change, but you know, in some way, shape, or form, it it, it will improve what we're doing. It will certainly improve, I think, the quality of life for people. Especially, you know, you don't have to be in that truck and driving out there for hours to try to figure something out. And you know, none of us want to be none of us want to put our customers at risk. So, you know, I, I think that's the big thing is how we can impact an individual's life, even if it's just one. If we can reduce the number of deaths, whether it's traffic, whether it's somebody t- climbing on top of a tank, whether it's somebody going to the field, absolutely. You know, we keep talking about the Permian. A, a hard thing in the Permian right now with all the operators and the service companies is attracting talent and retaining talent, right? And so if you make that field guy's life easier for this service company or this operator, he's liable to want to stay around. Because the audience, you may not know this, a lot of field tech's life in oil and gas onshore is this. Hurry up, get there wait for eight hours doing nothing for somebody to show up and then hurry up and get your job done. And then maybe you may work 12 hours straight to get the job done. And then you, you come off and it's not a good use of people's time and people get tired. Right. And so if y'all are able to help companies make that easier for their employees, it's to help them keep their people. And that's where like, you know, we, we do not use the digital twin because, you know, it's a very uh, broader term for the operators to understand. We call it as a digital assistant as we wanted to make sure we are connecting to the users who are going to use it. And we have to make sure they have everything that they need that can help to make their job easy. And that's what we are targeting towards. We are, mm-hmm. we are making sure if a person who is sitting in the scatter room and looking into the alarms, he doesn't have to sit over there for a whole day and look into all the alarms. We will send them the text message or an email saying that, hey, you know, go and, go and there's an issue over here and then look into it. So that type of alarm filtering also we wanted to enable as part of the digital twin. And as I mentioned, we call it as a digital assistant to the user who going to be leveraging it to make their job life easy. Yeah, I've seen people in control rooms with 27 screens. And I'm telling you, human nature is you cannot watch 27 screens for an eight-hour shift right. and be sharp, right? You just can't. So the fact that you're proactive about it, so instead of giving me everything, just give me what I need, which may be this alarm. When I need it. Yeah, when I need and it. And who needs it. Yeah. Right. Uh, and then I'm guessing also from a, a legal point of view, now you have an audit trail, right? So if there is a problem and people start pointing fingers between operator service companies, you can actually figure out what really actually happened. Who did what, when, and where, which this helps everybody learn from that, whatever that incident was. Right. Exactly. And that's where like, you know, in the UCOS helping, as Troy mentioned, having our own controls and automation system, we know the audit trail when somebody has pressed this button, when this happened. So that really helps us to get the accountability. Plus, at the same time, we wanted to give them the suggestions, the predictive suggestions that how they can perform, or maybe the PID tuning, how they can do the PID tuning better for a while. So those type of suggestions we are giving to the technicians or to the operations in the field. So it's easy for them to not to remember all those. They have something to look into. They can understand and perform their job. And all of this really, we're really kind of talking about production optimization, right? We're really talking about being more efficient to produce more hydrocarbons with less people. Doesn't mean there's jobs being threatened, right? Because different jobs are being created, but less people on site. This is another thing that must touch is your environmental impact if you're an operator, right? So if you have less people, less trucks, less of a footprint, you're having a less impact to the local environment where you're actually drilling or, or producing. Definitely. Absolutely. And that's... No, go ahead. No, I was just mentioning that, you know, the maps itself, it's the modular automated production facility. And as you mentioned, reducing the footprint, equipment itself is all about reducing the footprints, reducing the tanks in the field. Yeah, so, I mean, on, on, on the emissions side, there is the, the digital aspect of being able to remotely operate and keep people off the roads, but there's other 
you know, it, it goes in hand in hand because emissions are also related to the energy consumption. There's a lot of compression, pumping, and heating going on on site. So if you can be more efficient, you, know, you can I reduce think about that. emissions that right. way. And then uh, you've got the leaks and the fugitive emissions. So if you, you know, as part of our technology, making things smaller, more compact, and modular, if you have less interfaces or flanges, you'll have less leak points. If you're able to do certain things with different technologies that allows you to take tanks out of there, which are usually the biggest contributor to emissions, all those things help. So I think on the mission side, it's really a combination of of everything, of smarter design and, and the digital aspect that will help you to get to a better state there as well. Such a cool idea. I mean, I didn't even think of it. You're right. You literally have less flanges, less joints, mm-hmm. less people involved who accidentally turn the valve the wrong way. And so you have less emissions. It makes total sense. The funny thing is we keep talking about tanks and audience, you may think I'm making this up, but I'm telling you, still to this day, there are people that drive out to well sites and they have a stick with numbers on it and they stick it in mm-hmm. the tank and that's how they do their measurement. And you would not think in today's world that's still being done, but it does. But it's really cool. The other thing that popped in my head is if you think about all the service companies around production, so the guy that's hauling off produce water, well, there's typically a disconnect between how much water the truck company said it hauled off and how much the operator says they had. Well, now you actually can track that. You know exactly when the tank's automated, when the tank needs to be empty from the produced water, you know exactly how much was hauled off. So then there's no discrepancy in billing or people point fingers. Well, stuff. yeah, absolutely. I mean, as soon as that, as soon as that driver leaves site, you know, that electronic ticket is sitting in accountings and for both parties, it can, you know, it can set for the receiver and except for the producer, it can be sitting on, on Sally's desk or in, in her email so that she can certainly reconcile that information quickly. But there's, you know, I, I've been to a location many times and you see a truck driver open the door and all of his pink tickets fly everywhere. You know, so it's, it's, it's a challenge, but it still happens today. It doesn't have to. You know, we certainly enable that with our technology. And yeah, it, the world's changing. And like you said, it's from an education standpoint, I think we're, we're going to be leading the charge here to help customers, you know, better utilize their assets. But for me, it's how can we help these customers make more money? That's awesome. Y'all have always led the charge for, for you know, smart steel. You've always led the charge for precision, zero defect manufacturing. And to see y'all now doing this on shore is just incredible. Unfortunately, I could spend hours talking about this. <laughs> it's, it's, we're getting close to time to wind it down the show. I do want to ask the audience, if, if you want to learn more about what Technique FMC is doing on the surface, we're going to put a link in the show notes. They have a page on their website uh, totally dedicated to this. It's some really cool stuff. Unfortunately, now we have to pay the bills, but before we pay the bills, real quick, we'll do a product review. So everybody here, you see the digital recorder that we're using? This is the Zoom H6 portable recorder. We use it for this show and all of our shows. The thing I love about it is you can record up to six different channels. So right now we have four going on. It's compact. It doesn't need power. It's battery powered. Very low noise threshold. So it's very, very quiet. And it's not that much money. If you want to check this out, it's what we use for all of our podcasts. There's a link in the show notes. You can click on it. And then you heard me talk about the street team. Uh, If you want to be our volunteer street team, we're up to 300 people globally. Come join the Facebook group. We ask you for an hour's worth of work a week, basically helping us with our social. But if you can't do it, we're fine with that too. We get it. And then BCD Travel is our travel provider of choice. They make sure our oil and gas traveling life is easy. And trust me, sometimes travel oil and gas is not easy. And then back to Nutanix again, they're doing this really awesome Bluetooth speaker. So if you want a chance to win a JBL Flip 4, stay tuned. We'll have the page out there pretty soon. And while you're online, go ahead and go to the website, oilandgastechpodcast.com. Give us your email address. We promise not to spam you. All right. So this has been, I mean, literally, I could spend another three hours talking about this. But if people wanted to learn more about Technip FMC, where should they go? Yeah, absolutely. Go to Technip.com. And from the surface side, you'll see a link there on our homepage. It says about us. 
drop down to surface and you can see everything that we're doing on the, the surface technology. And then y'all have some really cool stuff coming just like right down, right, just, just a month or so away, right? Absolutely. So we're going to come back after uh, maybe in the new year and revisit this. Yeah, there, we're going to be populating this website with everything, you know, new successes and everything we're doing from a digital standpoint. So keep coming back to us and check us out. We will. And if people want to learn more about y'all, I'm guessing LinkedIn? Absolutely. Yeah, so my we'll profile's a, on LinkedIn. We'll put everybody's LinkedIn links in the show notes. So once again, just go to the show notes. Everything we talk about, you can go click on stuff there instead of trying to write stuff down. Oh, it's been a lot going on. Okay, so Victor, Troy, and Amanpreet. Amanpreet. Yeah, I, I go by name. I, I go by name Aman. That's Aman. easy. <laughs> Thank y'all so much for your time. This has been great. Thanks for welcoming to your to the Grimp campus. Thanks for coming on the mic with me. Y'all are doing some incredible stuff. Like y'all always has a company. I'm, I'm really looking forward. I'm not going to joke about Romainco and Spinco because the names are just <laughs> funny. <laughs> but when I heard the announcement, I go, what a perfect name because it tells you exactly what's happening. So there's more stuff happening in the future. It's all, it's all good. All right, so it's time to get out of here. So uh, we were making sure that you don't get left behind one episode at a time. And here are the events on deck. Hey, everyone. Alex here with the events on deck for November. First of all, we had our best turnout ever for our latest happy hour in Houston with our panel discussion. So thanks to everyone who attended, and we hope to keep offering you guys value in the future. Be sure to listen here for any future happy hours. The events on deck for November include OGGN's second Denver happy hour on November 6th from 4 to 6 p.m. The cost of attendance is $20, a portion of which goes to local charities Safe House Denver and Oilfield Helping Hands. On November 12th at Minute Maid Stadium, IBM's Oilfield of Dreams, Data, Digitization, and Disruption. This event is free for all OGGN subscribers. OGGN's Mark LaCour will be doing a live podcast with ExxonMobil and his 2020 oil and gas predictions. On November 12th through 14th is Procurement Week in Sydney, Australia. Our travel partner, BCD Travel, will be sponsoring Day 2 of Procurement Week in Sydney. Day 2 has content focused on the construction, mining, and energy sectors, as well as an indirect procurement leaders forum which encompasses travel. Industry leaders will be discussing value-driven procurement approaches, evolving technologies, and the changing landscape. And drinks are on BCD at the end of the day. The Houston Chapter API Energy Petroleum Club will be meeting on November 12th in Houston. Speaker Shane McElroy will be talking about the sustainability of electric fracturing. We have another free event on deck this month for our subscribers. The Top Coder Innovation Summit will be taking place on November 14th in Houston, Texas. This event is the premier innovation event for industry leaders. You'll have the opportunity to attend panels on innovation and emerging technologies and meet with the YPRO and Top Coder executive teams. Lastly, the Algeria Oil and Gas Summit is happening on November 19th through 21st this year. Alnaft will be sharing onshore and offshore updates for Africa's leading gas producer and opportunities for independent oil and gas companies. And don't forget, if you guys would like to receive these events each month via email, click Get Mark's Monthly Events email link in the show notes of any OGGN podcast. Hope you guys have a great month. Check us out next week for another entertaining and yet useful episode of Oil and Gas Tech Podcast, a production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.